Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that get us thinking, talking, exploring, and connected. And perhaps inspired or challenged to do just a bit more because we've made the connection. We are continuing in our series on Everything Changes When You Do with Yvette Erasmus. Welcome, mm-hmm. Yvette. Good morning. It's lovely to be here. So glad you're here. I love going to your website and uh, having it say not only Everything Changes When You Do, but mm-hmm. what you do is about healthy communication mm-hmm. and relationship skills for living from your most authentic empowered and connected self. Mm, Yes, I love that as well. I love that as well. I like helping people undo their defensive selves Mm -hmm. so that they can live from the part of themselves that is loving and playful and wise. There was something that has stayed with me from our last show Mm -hmm. where you talked about the performative self Mm -hmm. versus the authentic self. Uh And that stayed with me a lot, you know, in that there's a lot that we go into a situation and it does feel like theater. Yeah. And how do we need to perform based on being able to look at the, read the room and perform. Mm -hmm. But a step, how can we do that with another uh, sense of self that doesn't make it be something that it's enforced, but something Mm -hmm. as a tool perhaps when we need to use Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is one of the things that I think I go back to sort of um, relational mindfulness and Mm -hmm. mindfulness practice when Mm -hmm. you sort of contact the part of you that is loving and compassionate and witnessing all of the other parts of you, Mm -hmm. then you can begin to get very playful with all of the aspects of yourself. You Mm -hmm. have a performing self. You have the self that gets scared and is wounded and gets very defensive and reactive. You Mm -hmm. have the one that is trying to get everybody else's approval. (laughs) And I think a lot of this journey is about learning to love up every one of those parts, Mm -hmm. but to get your center of choicefulness in the wisest part of yourself. And loving up also is part of that connection. Yes. And absolutely. sometimes mm-hmm. we don't connect. Right. And and those connections being broken mm-hmm. individually and collectively mm-hmm. is a challenge. Yeah. And one of the things I really want to explore with you today is this being 4th of July weekend. Yes. There's some cool things about the 4th of July. Um, but there's also some parts of 4th of July that we don't look at deeply. Mm. It becomes more of, you know, fun fireworks and good food. Mm-hmm. Um, but on one end, we were formed on an idea. Mm-hmm. Not any other countries formed on an idea that um, we're all created equal. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we have to recognize that we've come a long ways of recognizing what equal <laughs> is. <laughs> that women and slaves uh-huh. were not considered equal, right. but they, but we no longer have slaves, and and women do have the chance to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that part working towards the more perfect union. But if we look at our political parties today and the mm-hmm. culture wars, mm-hmm. it seems like they're still alive. It seems like that there's mm-hmm. still um, challenges in connecting. Oh, yeah. So many challenges in connecting. Absolutely. And and with that, you know, how how do we look at equality? I mean, this mm-hmm. is if we're all mm-hmm. created equal, mm-hmm. what can that mean for ourselves as an individual mm-hmm. as well as a country? And, and the challenges that come up even on a, just a conversational level mm-hmm. of not knowing how to connect. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think of equality as a relational attitude, a way in which I am approaching another person. Do I see you? First of all, do I see you as another human being? Mm-hmm. I mean, part of what happens with all of the culture wars and identity politics is that um, when we start slapping labels of a quote unquote other mm-hmm. on groups of people or another person, we're dehumanizing them. And to the degree that another human being has been psychologically dehumanized in yourself, you will feel more and more entitled to be unkind, mean, violent, exclude, because you don't see that human as fully human like you. Mm -hmm. So one piece of it is really understanding that we're sort of wired for division. Mm-hmm. Our brains have this wiring for fragmentation, which is part of our survival system. To feel safe. we uh, Absolutely. We, we feel afraid of difference. Mm-hmm. Now, we have a lot more brain wiring than our reptilian brain, right? And <laughs> Thank so, goodness. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> that so, we can take advantage right? of. Right? When we have a regulated nervous system, when we're not sitting in our stress response system all the time, mm-hmm. um, a different part of our brain, our neocortex, actually finds difference fascinating and enriching and like novelty. It's novelty seeking. Mm -hmm. And so when we can engage that part of our being, we enjoy difference. Mm -hmm. But when we're living in cultures where people are chronically stressed out, it's difficult for them to get there. And so they begin dehumanizing. And if we're dehumanizing, we're not seeing everybody as equal. And this happens very unconsciously, and many of us are not aware of it as it's happening. When you say we enjoy differences, I think to myself, so many um, instances where we celebrate multicultural, mm-hmm. where we're excited, mm-hmm. we love yeah. different foods, we yeah. love going to different places, we love learning about different cultures, multicultural is wonderful, yeah. until there's conflict. Until there's conflict, and what happens in conflict and what happens in our stress response system is that we have a difficult time staying in a place of shared humanity because the game changes. We're not after connection, we're after winning. Mm -hmm. And winning is a, um, can be a lovely thing in a friendly competitive game. Like there's a place for winning, but when Mm -hmm. winning becomes the primary objective of political and economic systems, it's actually quite traumatizing to the human spirit and it will divide us. And when we think of political systems and we think of colonialism mm-hmm. and winning. Yep. And we have to take that into account as yeah. we, we look at our history. Yeah. There are those that want to keep the history, I think, pretty yes. and um, glowing yeah. and not look at the difficult things. Mm-hmm. But I believe if we don't look at the difficult things, we will continue to have yeah. challenges. A hundred percent. I yeah. completely agree with you. In fact, I think there's an upside and a downside to everything that happens to us in life. Mm-hmm. And when we want to privilege only the upside or we want to privilege only the downside, we're actually going to get the downside of both sides. Mm-hmm. Right? That's one of the sort of fundamental principles of polarity management. Mm-hmm. So we want to look at the history and say it wasn't all good and it wasn't all bad. And instead of making it pretty or ugly, let's have a look at it authentically. Mm-hmm. Let's have a look at what are all of the different stories that could be told. I mean, part of the problem with, um, you know, I grew up in white supremacy. So I'm going to speak from a white supremacy in South patriarch Africa. in South Africa. Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm still living in many ways mm-hmm. in a system of white supremacy here in America. Um, so I'll speak from about it from a more personal point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of consciousness... Um, as as a white woman, what I discovered in me through my own growth and development is this implicit sense of superiority Mm 
that I just decided somewhere along the line as a little girl, oh, the world, this is the right way to be in the world and the world will be better if they're all like me. Mm -hmm. And then everything is about getting everybody else to be like me because mm -hmm. that's the good and right way to be. And, and, and holding our sense of goodness is so important. It's so important. But when it, become, when it starts to get mixed in with ideas of being superior right. to other people, it becomes very problematic. It borders on greed. Absolutely. Because yeah. if we are the best, mm -hmm. then we deserve the best mm -hmm. in deserveability. Yes. Well, deserve we, is a whole problematic concept. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because if, if I deserve the best, mm -hmm. then I can look at your suffering and say, well, that must be something fundamentally flawed about your personality. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I don't need to care about your suffering because you're responsible for your suffering and you deserve your suffering. And, you know, we've been talking a little bit about domination culture. Mm -hmm. One of the tenets of domination culture is um, that, uh, you know, the, the let me say it like this. The philosophy of education, in a way, in a domination culture is that people learn best through suffering. So then we tell ourselves that your suffering is actually good for you. And mm -hmm. this blocks empathy, this blocks compassion, this blocks connection, mm -hmm. and this increases the dehumanizing of people who are not like us. It strikes me this last week where we were all riveted about those uh -huh. five uh, billionaires, billionaires mm -hmm. that had gone on mm -hmm. this uh, risky yep. adventure mm -hmm. to – the Titanic at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> and at the same time, mm -hmm. there were 400 yeah. um, immigrants mm -hmm. where the boat went down mm -hmm. and 300 died. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And there were probably helicopters and whatnot that uh -huh. could be out there yep. helping the immigrants. Mm -hmm. Why did they not get as much attention? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why was there a fascination on the five? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, to me, there is something out of whack there. I, I, absolutely. I, and, I, you know, the media reporting on that says a lot about the cultural decline globally. Mm -hmm. Why, you know, I mean, I heard more about the story about um, a woman from Doctors Without Borders was speaking about it, that, it, you know, we're not sending resources to help the refugees. Right. In part because... They're coming from Africa mm -hmm. or they're coming from a country like Libya mm -hmm. that, you know, that we have perceptions about. At least this is in Europe now. Mm -hmm. um, we stop seeing one another's humanity right. and we glorify people who are the symbolic embodiment of the kind of greed that the economic systems that we're living in perpetuate. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying any one of those people individually is greedy. I'm mm -hmm. just saying that the way that the economic systems are set up create individuals who have a disproportionate amount of resources coming their way mm -hmm. and then unfortunately feel entitled to it as if they're the ones who have done it. Mm -hmm. But their money is coming from the exploitation of labor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we need to be thinking in much more complex ways about this. Mm -hmm. And and then how do the resources get deployed mm -hmm. to support all or at least make decisions based on... And who's paying for those resources? Right. Well, Who pays for the Coast Guard? Who yeah. pays for all of the resources just to go and find mm -hmm. a little tin can that blew up? And mm -hmm. I, I feel a lot of empathy and yes. compassion for those absolutely. humans. I'm not saying that, you know, I, I absolutely... But it brings up a lot of questions about why so much attention mm -hmm. the on fascination. five 
the attention and fascination on five, and why is that not happening for the? I, th- I, I in my mind, it was seven hundred. I don't know what the actual numbers were. I, I, well, I know that three hundred we'll died. That. Yeah, three. Uh, well, the, there we go. Yeah. Well, three hundred died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it brings up a lot of questions about: Do we dehumanize people who are poor? Do we dehumanize people mm-hmm. who are coming from a different cultural background? Do we glorify? people who have access to resources that are disproportionate to most of the global pop- population? Mm-hmm. And if so, why? Mm-hmm. And how is that happening? And what, what, if anything, would we like to do about that? Right. And it, so in, in looking at our equality mm-hmm. here in our country, and we know mm-hmm. that there are culture wars, that we know that there are the haves and the have-nots, and, mm-hmm. and that creates disconnects and, and challenges to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found in doing the diversity, equity, and inclusion work over the years, Mm -hmm. which started essentially back in 1987 for me, Mm -hmm. probably earlier in Mm -hmm. many ways, but 87 officially, Mm -hmm. uh, that people are afraid to say things. Yeah. Um, And they're afraid to express questions because they're going to be wrong Mm -hmm. or whatever they say, they'll get in trouble or they'll Mm -hmm. make it worse. Mm -hmm. So they harbor a lot mm-hmm. in the moment mm-hmm. and and not just like political parties and global. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. one-to-one in the moment mm-hmm. of DEI, mm-hmm. in the moment of not knowing what to say, mm-hmm. um, how do we – how do we offer something that allows them to think about it in the moment? Yeah, so that's a that's a I love that question. It's a complex question. I actually do a lot of trainings on how to work with microaggressions, for example, or mm-hmm. offensive things that get said um, at work and at home and you know in your friendship groups. But you know, this the first step is checking in with yourself and regulating your nervous system. Mm -hmm. Because that moment of somebody said something, they made a joke, they made a comment, and I can't believe they just said that, and we Mm -hmm. go speechless. Mm -hmm. It's a mini freeze moment that we go into. In fear. It's a fear, absolutely. And we sort of stall out in the moment, and sometimes we don't know what to say. And in those cases, I often tell people, that's okay, every conversation is happening in little chunks over a long period of time. And just because you missed one little chunk, doesn't mean you're not going to get the next one. Right. You can always go back. You can always revisit. You can always do some hindsight. You can always loop back to someone and say, hey, I didn't have the words in the moment, but I have them now. Right. And here's what I wish I had said, and I'd like to be in conversation with you. But if we're going to have that conversation, my recommendation is to make sure that you do not have an enemy image of the person that you're trying to have that conversation with. Because if you're going in with a punitive attitude, a condescending attitude, a colonial attitude, an evangelical attitude, um, you know, whatever it is, some kind of what, these are all words, I don't know if they're triggering to people, but, you know, the attitude Mm -hmm. of, I know better than you and I'm coming to teach you something because you're bad and wrong. Patronizing. Whatever you want to call that. Yep. This attitude is going to stimulate defensiveness and it is what makes us more afraid to engage in the conversation. Mm And the conversations that we need to be engaging in, we're afraid to. And so, one, we need to develop some courage, first of all. Mm-hmm. And also, anything we can do to make it relational so that it can be a growth and learning conversation that makes it okay for us to all be at different stages of development, mm-hmm. but that we can be greeted where we are with compassion 
and supportive education, the kind of education that is like bringing everybody along together. You know, it sounds like, hey, I used to use that word as well, but let me tell you what, I, what I've learned about that, mm -hmm. okay? And I, as a white woman, will never <laughs> use that word again, and let me explain to you why. I hope this is helpful to you. It's really different than, oh my goodness, I can't believe you're still using that word. Don't you know any better? Yeah. I mean, the scorn and the contempt is yeah. going to shut it down and make it psychologically unsafe for people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to the degree that we rehumanize one another and, and go for the connection and the learning and the growth, the better. Which makes me think about some work that you've done between control and connection. Yes. Which I would love to have us address mm -hmm. um, in our next segment. Mm -hmm. But I also want to make sure that folks know how they can um, reach you or, or at least learn about the work that you're doing with your website. And it's mm -hmm. Yvette Erasmus. And that's Yvette with a Y, Y-V-E-T-T-E. Another E, R-A-S-M-U-S dot com. Mm -hmm. um, in that, uh, in the website, you do beautiful videotapes yeah. that folks can, you know, browse through and mm -hmm. see, you know, what what things maybe that they want to to be thinking about. Mm -hmm. We're also going to in the next uh, next few months uh, be looking at bringing in callers. Mm -hmm. So this is our last just setting the foundation of who Yvette is and some of her ideas. Mm -hmm. But as we look at August and September, we will be opening up calls. So I want you all to be thinking about that as well. So we'll be right back after just a few short commercials. And thank you for being with us and thinking about what's the difference between control and connection, because we're going to be talking about that in the next segment. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Maury Fitz, your host, and today we are exploring Everything Changes When You Do. It's a series that we're doing with Yvette Erasmus, um, and it's also about healthy communication and relationship skills for living from your most authentic, empowered, and connected self. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being here, Yvette. I love being here. Thank oh, you for having me. It's wonderful. In our last segment, we were talking about uh, 4th of July, um, all, all, all of us created equal, question mark, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. working towards the more perfect union. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Culture wars. Um, and coming down to really power struggles. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that look like? How do we bridge differences? Mm -hmm. um, what's some skillfulness skillfulness mm -hmm. in our dialogue yeah. that can help us yeah. um, and understand? Uh -huh. And this segment we were going to dedicate to looking at control versus connection. And, of course, I love connections with this being the Connections radio uh -huh. show. But um, tell me about what you think about the two of those. Got it. Okay. So I think – let me say a couple of things about that. Like in a lot of the work that I do – Part of the everything changes when you do has to do with the fact that we have internalized the systems that we grew up in. And what that means is that those systems, the rules and the assumptions and the habits and the norms of those systems and the beliefs are actually now living inside of each of the human beings in our implicit memory system. And we, as a, you know, in a state of default, we're sort of doing what was done to us, if you will. And we are... Um, living out of what I think of as like our adaptations and our defenses around how that particular system continues to be traumatizing and painful. 
So we learn to cope by shutting down our feelings, by shutting down our needs, by shutting down our authentic self, by being the performative, defended self that can survive in this like violent, competitive, driven world where I have to like put all my softness away and come with my like drive, right? And maybe even glorify some of that sacrifice. Absolutely. As being, yes. you know, some yes. sort of yes. superior, I, I'm giving up all this because uh -huh. I'm a better person. And, I love that you yeah. bring that up because that's what keeps it going is mm -hmm. by saying that it is glorified, it is strong. We call this kind of um, shutdown strong when mm -hmm. actually it's a form of weakness in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, and then what that does is it desensitizes the humans to never know how anything feels and therefore not have access to the information that they would need to make deep systemic change that is aligned with what people are actually needing. Mm. So if we can get people disconnected from their feelings and needs and we can get people disconnected from their vision of a better world and we can get them very much focused on just surviving from day to day and being good people as authority figures have defined it, and then we have a lot of um, social control. Mm -hmm. Okay, And then we can also manipulate those people pretty easily using propaganda and media. And part of that is the enthusiasm of the reinforcement. Well, what they sell is, is, a, is a pyramid. Mm -hmm. And what they sell is that your, your job to be a good person is to get to the top. Mm -hmm. And if you are at the top, which some people are at by birthright mm -hmm. and not by work, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. um, and also some of it is a symptom of just being a beneficiary of a symptom of an inequitable system. But mm -hmm. if you're at the top, you get this delusion that you worked hard to get there and you deserve it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And also that there's a very scarce amount and so you have to hold on to it because all of the people in the layers in the bottom parts of the mm -hmm. pyramid, mm -hmm. there's all this pressure of these people who are resentful and angry and fearful and they're coming to get it from you. Mm -hmm. So again, that entire system sets us up for fragmentation and division. And it's a scarcity model. A scarcity model. That we have not enough mm -hmm. versus the abundance yep. that instead of looking at the pie and going, oh my gosh, there's only so much of the pie, so yep. I can't let any of the, my part of the pie versus – we can bake the pie bigger. Absolutely. We absolutely can have more of an abundance yes, mentality. Yes, but let's see how we get there. Because yeah. what happens in the control, and I think of this as like the control model, the, dom the domination model, mm -hmm. the power over model. There's a lot of ways that people have sort of been describing this. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind which word people use. But that system trains people to see the world through a lens of what is wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's either going to be you or me. Right. And that's where all of this fragmentation comes from. And it also is a world in which power is either power over or power under. So we have perpetrators and victims. And we have privilege and not privileged. And we have dominators and the oppressed. So what it does is it divides people into you're one or the other. And you don't want to be a victim and you don't want to be oppressed. And the only tool you have in a domination system to get out of that is to become a perpetrator. And then the violence. And the cycle of violence continues because you think the tools that you have is righteousness, anger, enemy imaging, yelling, attacking, fighting mm -hmm. in some way, right? Mm -hmm. Which puts you back into perpetrator dynamics. Mm -hmm. So when we move into a nonviolent frame or a relational frame or a connection frame, mm -hmm. there's a lot of undoing that needs to happen in us culturally. Like one thing is being able to see through the ways that we've inherited this um, crisis-oriented defensive control frame. And the crisis creates the adrenaline. Absolutely. That allows you to override yep. emotions or 
maybe thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we could think of it as like that power over control capacity that we have is really good for an emergency situation, uh, yeah. but it is not good for um, creating a thriving society. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work for that. It's going to work for survival of the fittest, if that's the paradigm we're really wanting to, and I don't, I, I mean, I question the fittest. It's going to create survival for the privileged, Yeah. Um, but that's it. That's what it's going to create, and then suffering for the masses. So if we move into a connection frame, we stop asking the question, what is wrong? Because it leads our energy into creating more of the same. And when we ask what's wrong, we're creating a dialectic of yep. right and wrong versus yep. a complexity exactly. of challenges that, that, that influence. Uh, exactly. And also psychologically or interpersonally, if we're just taking it down into like you and a coworker or you and a family member, mm-hmm. what is wrong is going to put you into an us versus them, a me versus you. Um, and also into the blame and shame game, mm-hmm. because the tools we use to answer that question have to do with blaming and shaming, and then forcing and demanding and coercing and controlling. So we use all these control tactics. Mm-hmm. Human beings, let's go back to the founding, like the beautiful vision that that is in some of the documents that we are <laughs> still inspired by yeah. in this country. This idea of freedom, human beings need to be free. Mm-hmm. It is a deep innate drive. We want freedom to be who we are. We're we want freedom of choice. Yes. We want freedom to create a meaningful life as we see it. We want freedom of religion. We want freedom of speech. We want freedom of self-expression. This is a deeply innate part of the human psyche. And so in a connection frame, the only question we really care about is what will help? Mm-hmm. What will make things better? What is needed? What is important? What matters in this moment? So anything that gets us in the present moment and looking forward so that we can align our attention and our strategies with the vision that we are reaching for. Because there is a, I think, Palmer calls it the tragic gap in the heart of democracy. Mm -hmm. There's a tragic gap between where we are today and what we can imagine Mm -hmm. is possible. Mm-hmm. And I think part of what is so inspiring about the Constitution and the principles and the is, ideas and the ideas yes. is that they provide us with an inspiring vision. Mm-hmm. And now we've been doing an experiment in what does it mean to live into that and how do we update our systems and our beliefs and our institutions to get more in alignment with those values. There is a challenge when there is a sense that it's almost like it needs to be frozen. Mm-hmm. And that the founding fathers need to be almost godlike without any criticism. Um, And a criticism of them creates tension. I mean, we know that Thomas Jefferson Mm -hmm. had a uh, black mistress and and black children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are not freely talking about that. And why not? Yes, I, Like, let's exactly. just look at that for a moment. Yeah. What would it be like if it was like, oh, my goodness, and he had, you know, children and a diverse mm-hmm. family, yes. and let's celebrate this, and let's amplify this, and let, mm-hmm. let's have all of this be a part of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, this controlling of the narrative yes. is a very, um, it can be very toxic. Mm-hmm. It excludes truth. It puts a narrow focus on a very narrow slice. And it's very frightening to see so many states that are trying to Mm -hmm. um, 
literally whitewash, but mm -hmm. literally, mm -hmm. you know, create what is appropriate reading and mm -hmm. what isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just want to be clear, I'm not celebrating a slavery or a mistress no, or, you know, like any no, of this, but no. I, 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 I do think that if we could tell more complete stories right. where we're not hiding anything, mm -hmm. what would it be like for multiple perspectives and the story to be told in 12 different ways? Mm -hmm. What would be, what would it be like if history was, was history classes growing up were, you know, take the position of all of these different people and mm -hmm. tell the story of this event from each of their perspectives. Mm -hmm. And then let's think about what we learn about that from how we want to do life today. What a rich history class that would Wouldn't be. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yes. That would be so much more emotionally intelligent, relationally intelligent. I think would create more engagement as well. I think so. Just yes. being able not to have to repeat something that you memorize yeah. that's a narrative that's been yes. um, handed down yes. and created its own sort of ritual around it. It becomes a little cult-like, yeah. actually, when we do it. You know, this is the difference between a static document in time and a mm -hmm. living document. Mm -hmm. And I am a big proponent of all policies and laws and constitutions and missions and values being a living document mm -hmm. that we update, you know, mm -hmm. every so often mm -hmm. to get it, you know, like the, if the thinking could be, how is this working and what do we need to update to better meet the needs of the people, all of the people, so that we can create a world that works for all people. And we engaged in thoughtful, ethical conversations about mm -hmm. what is needed instead of this crisis-oriented, domination-based, win-lose, enemy imaging, which just makes the rich richer as far as I can see. <laughs> well, and in looking at that, I mean, mm -hmm. we've, we've explored diversity mm -hmm. and equality mm -hmm. um, and the challenges of the en enemy image. But looking at a, a goal of inclusion, mm -hmm. there is good roles mm -hmm. that people can play mm -hmm. that may have privilege mm -hmm. that allow for a different kind of recognition that inclusion is important and work towards that yep. and connect in an authentic way. A hundred percent. And that there's a role that can be played mm -hmm. instead of fearing having a conversation about 100%. it. A hundred percent. I know that one of my – I've had so many pivotal moments in my own journey with that, but I grew up under a colonial mentality. I mean, I grew mm -hmm. up in a patriarchal, very Christian, very white family in apartheid white South Africa. So I, mm -hmm. how do you not absorb mm -hmm. this idea that you are here to save the world? Mm -hmm. and a you very are missionary here, style. A mis very missionary, very mm – -hmm. um, you know, we're going to help the poor people of the world be like us mm -hmm. is a little bit of the attitude. We might not say it out loud. Mm -hmm. But that's very much the attitude. And what I realized, one of the, one of the ways in which white supremacy hurts, hurt me as a white person mm -hmm. is that it prevented me from actually examining, growing, thinking critically, and connecting with the reality of hu lived human experience on the planet. Mm -hmm. It actually separated me from the vast majority of humanity on the planet. It, it, it left me feeling more alienated and isolated. And I will tell you, as, as a child growing up in a white family in South Africa, I felt a constant undercurrent of fear of the violence of the people who resented what I had. Mm -hmm. And the sense of, of no safety from having more than other people. I just never wanted that again. I was like, I would much rather, I, I'm so inspired by musicals like Lame is Rob. Yes. Or, you know what I mean? Like, yes. I'm like, I want to just be with the people. I want to mm -hmm. be part of a shared humanity, figuring things out together. I don't want to be separated and afraid and condescending and patronizing. I think that's some of the misnomer when the media portrays 
the billionaires and yeah. riches being so privileged, yeah. and they don't show yeah. the pain, the suffering, the fear, yeah. the anxieties. Yeah. Um, yeah. I grew up around a lot of economically yeah. wealthy. Yes, uh, yes. And I saw a lot of suffering. Yes, absolutely. But I want to say, this is a really good point to say this, I don't ever expect somebody who has been harmed or hurt by those systems of privilege mm -hmm. to have empathy for the people at the top. Right. We don't ask the people who've no. been hurt by something no. to empathize with the people no. who are doing the harm. I can empathize with them from being in that position mm -hmm. because I understand the humanity, mm -hmm. but it's a little different. You it, know, I just want to name that. And it's complicated. It's very complicated. And <laughs> and it's interesting because the very people that um, we can show empathy for, yep. um, they themselves – may not be able to have the empathy. Yes. Um, and, and that's what it gets down to. I mean, yes. how, how, how do we is, create more empathy? Yes. Yes. What's the generating force yes. of empathy? Yeah. yeah. What, what changes it from the greed mm -hmm. to a celebration of connection? We can go there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And we'll need to because okay. <laughs> I've gone over in the segment as well too. So Perfect. we'll do that in the next segment Great. in looking at um, – What's the opportunity yes. for empathy and how does that how can that get achieved mm -hmm. in our everyday conversation? Yes. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> radio show where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. And today we have had the privilege of having Yvette Erasmus join us again on our series of the first Saturday of the month with Yvette. Uh, <laughs> this is our second Saturday. Uh, we had our first week uh, in June, uh, first week in July. And the theme of all of our series is everything changes when you do. And as she so beautifully puts in her uh, website, Healthy Communication and Relationship Skills for Living from Your Most Authentic, Empowered, and Connected Self. And when we do that, we can connect with others mm -hmm. and we can make a difference. We've been talking about the 4th of July, the um, energy about uh, being equal. What does that mean? What does equality mean? Mm -hmm. uh, what does diversity mean? Why are we challenged by the culture wars? And what are some of the roots of those? And we look at it in a larger context, but really the difference is made on the one-to-one -one yeah. with the individual. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it's about creating that empathy. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the ticket to connect. It is. It is the ticket to connect. So what happens is we, we begin undoing the internalized domination. Mm -hmm. We begin rehumanizing ourselves. Part of rehumanizing ourselves is reclaiming our feelings, reclaiming our universal human needs, um, and the consciousness that everything we do, every everything that we do in life is an attempt to meet a deep need that we mm -hmm. all share, mm -hmm. whether it's for belonging, for empathy, for inclusion, for freedom, for discovery, for safety. For love. For love, mm -hmm. for affection. Mm -hmm. You know, like we are all motivated mm -hmm. by the same intrinsic motivators that help us survive and thrive. Mm -hmm. And it's a source of deep wisdom. And when we begin putting our attention collectively, both within ourselves and with other people, on how people are feeling and what people are needing and what in every given moment they're trying to do, and often 
awful ways, violent mm. ways, ineffective ways, you know, inappropriate ways, toxic ways, tragic ways. And we don't identify the person with what they're doing. We, we identify their goodness in what they're trying to do and then help them update their strategies to be more in alignment with their needs. And to get really what they want. And that's actually going to get them much more of what they actually want. That's mm -hmm. so true. I'm glad that you're bringing that in. And we get really good at asking for what we want without demanding it, without forcing and coercing people. When we shame and blame someone, we're probably not going to get back what we need. Exactly. It's, it's so self-sabotaging. We have learned so many self-sabotaging interpersonal skills. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of what I do with the one-on-one -on -one work and the mm -hmm. couple's work and the group work that I do mm -hmm. is unlearning the self-sabotaging skills that just don't work. And well, greeting yourself with a lot of love as you're doing it. Like just understanding you're one of many humans doing this work and we're all undoing it together. And you give yourself grace too. So much grace. And then you can give it to other people. If you can't give it to yourself, you're going to be very, it's going to be very difficult to give it to other people. You've talked about four responses yeah. in the moment. Absolutely. Share yeah. with me what that means. Yeah. So our attention, this, is, this comes from nonviolent communication from Dr. Marshall Rosenberg's work, which I love. But, you know, in any given situation, there are four ways that we can use our attention. Um, you might say something to me, uh, Yvette, why did you do that? You know, mm -hmm. what are you doing? Right? That tone is uh -huh. definitely a tone. <laughs> right? What, what are you doing? Which implies you must not be knowing what you're yes, doing. Yes, <laughs> yes. And also maybe I'm feeling really impatient and annoyed by what you're doing. I don't know. Like, you know. So Whatever say, that is. Right? It's not a, it's not a connector. <laughs> no. So, but, 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 uh. we can listen for connection. Uh -huh. So, you know, somebody might say that. And if my attention is on my defensive system, I'm going to hear that as a criticism mm -hmm. or as an attack. Mm -hmm. And if I'm fight-oriented, I'm going to uh, fight back. Mm -hmm. Well, what are you doing? Why are you asking me like that? Who do you think you're speaking to? Mm -hmm. So we know that conversation. I and hear it blame. it really doesn't go anywhere. No, 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 no. That's the I hear blame, I blame back. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to be in a power struggle and a fight. Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. I hear blame, you say this to me, I hear blame, and then I collapse. I blame myself. Oh, so it's self Oh, what self am I doing again? What am I doing again? Am I'm I doing always it doing it wrong. Exactly. Right? right? Oh, there, and it just proves because the person just kind of snapped at me. Yep, so yep, yep. And I'm, I go into shame. Yeah. So either I blame back, I go into grandiosity, and I'm going to fight, or I mm -hmm. go into shame. Mm -hmm. Right? Or you say this thing to me, and I self-connect. I go, ooh, wow, what's it like for me to hear that? Oh, I'm feeling a little vulnerable. I'm feeling confused. I'm feeling a little hurt. What I need is a bit of information. What's happening? <laughs> now, if my attention is on that yeah. data, I might be like, I don't know. What am I doing? What's going on? Tell me more. But you, I'm must not, be, you must be seeing something that I'm not. So that's right. And I'm now, checking in with you. you know. uh -huh. And I see you as a source of help and information. Uh, now we're connecting yeah. because I'm not taking it personally through my mm -hmm. defensive system. Mm -hmm. Or, But you may have history with the person. Oh, well, we can get into all the complexities okay, of okay. that. <laughs> okay, like, let's just go with the four things for Okay, now. okay, sorry. Okay? <laughs> I, just, like, I had it like, oh, but I, re I wait a minute. <laughs> oh, you're, yes, yes, you do. And let me tell you how complicated that gets. And I know that what I'm doing is completely fine. I feel grounded and confident and self-aware and self-connected. And when you ask me that question, I feel care for you. Aww. Like, well, what are you feeling and needing? Are you feeling surprised? Are you feeling vulnerable? Yeah. Are you feeling afraid? Are you needing some information about what I'm doing? Yeah. Are you needing some reassurance that I'm here with you? Are you yeah. needing safety? So when my attention... So it's nurturing. It's even. so nurturing and that's connecting. And it doesn't mm -hmm. matter how you said it. I always have those four options available to me. Mm -hmm. Hear blame and blame back, hear blame and self-blame, connect with my own feelings and needs, connect with your feelings and needs. Mm -hmm. 
And so when we train ourselves to stop taking everything so personally, stop seeing everything as a threat, and we can get into the more grounded, loving, aware parts of ourselves, and we realize that all that people are ever doing is a strategy to meet their needs because they're having a feeling, mm -hmm. and we begin bringing that into the conversation as a legitimate form of being and knowing and speaking, mm -hmm. now we're beginning to include more voices and include more parts. Include more of our own internal voices. Uh, exactly. And maybe hear more voices from the other. Exactly, because as we do the integration work within ourselves, as within, so without, it's a spiritual mm -hmm. principle that I that I, I ascribe to. I don't mm -hmm. know that everybody does. You don't have to. Mm -hmm. But I do find for myself that what is going on inside of me becomes reflected outside of me. And as mm -hmm. we each collectively start doing our own work, it will begin to be it will become manifest in our relationships. It mm -hmm. will begin to get expressed in new ways in the spaces between us. And there is conflict. And I only have two minutes, so I can't ask this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh -huh. and we'll, 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 we'll address go, keep it, it broadly. Uh -huh. We know that we have conflicts more so now between our politics than our religion. Yeah. You know, growing up, there was religious yeah. challenges and yeah. and. Marrying a Catholic if you were a Protestant was, yeah. you know, now the idea of a Democrat marrying a Republican yes. has the same sort of, oh. Mm -hmm. uh, yet, the studies show that, that we share very similar values, mm -hmm. but we don't believe mm -hmm. the other shares that value with yeah. us. Yeah, because we don't know how to have a connecting conversation about it because we treat everything like a debate. Mm -hmm. And as long as we're debating, we're not learning and growing. As long as we're debating, we're in a static document. Mm -hmm. We're trying to figure out who's right and wrong and who wins and loses and who gets privilege and who gets who has to submit, who wins and who submits. And that conversation, the dynamics of that conversation need to change if we want to see real systemic change. It needs to become how does fairness feel for you and look for you and sound for you? How does it look for me? How does it look for the other 25 people who are not in this room? And what strategies actually meet all of those people with their preferred ways and to what degree can we expand enough to include more? And thinking about those responses, how can we take a conversation yeah. and seek connection yes. when part of ourselves, you know, we've yeah. created such an us and them. Yeah. How do we be brave yeah. Yeah. in we, looking yeah. at how could we create an us? Because after all, United States isn't. Us. <laughs> yeah, well, we'd like to, we'd like love, to work for that I'd anyway. like to work with you as us. Um, would love to have that. Um, yes. And as we have our, our 4th of July uh, celebration, um, the more perfect union uh, mm -hmm. may be something to think about in terms of empathy mm -hmm. and connection. What could that more perfect union be? Mm -hmm. Thank you for taking the time to share your wisdom, your insights, and, My pleasure. and guidance. I want to make sure that folks know how to look at the, your, get your website, which is uh, Yvette Erasmus, Y-V-E-T-T-E-E-R-A-M-U-S.com. Uh, <laughs> check it out. It's great. And it's great having Yvette here. And we'll look forward to having you back in August. Thank you. And I look forward to calls on situations that people want help with. We're going to have a great time. Yeah, it's going to be great. Thank you so much. Thank you.